if you'll uh, turn in your Bibles, uh, between the Psalms and the New Testament, there's a little four-chapter book in our Bible. It's the book of Jonah. Some people don't realize that Jonah is a book in the Bible. Some people think that Jonah is just a cute story about a man and a whale. The truth is, is that Jonah was one of the 12 minor prophets. He's located, there's Obadiah, then Jonah, then Micah. And, um, and, and the book of Jonah is more than just a cute story about a man and a big fish. But it's really, the book of Jonah is a sad story about a man outside of the will of God. The will of God simply is God's plan and His purpose for you, for a church, for a country, for a group, for a family. I want to tell you here today, God has a purpose for you. You were created in a very special, unique kind of way. God has a plan for you here this morning. Whether you're one of our youngest attendees or whether you're one of our oldest, God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. God has a plan and God has a purpose for your family. God has a plan. God has a purpose for our church. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your business. God has a plan. God has a purpose for everything that takes place on this earth that he created. Now listen, it's one thing to be uncertain about God's will for your life and to kind of miss it. As a matter of fact, Romans 12 verse 2 says that we learn to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sometimes we miss it because we, we, we don't quite understand. But it's another thing to know what God says on a matter and to disregard it altogether. Are you with me this morning? It's one thing to not know the will of God and to miss Him. It's another thing to know it and to choose to disobey. That's exactly what we see Jonah doing in Jonah chapter 1. I've titled our message today, Running from God, because that's exactly what we see. If you found your way in your copy of God's Word, we're going to read the entire chapter, Jonah chapter 1. Would you stand and honor the reading of God's Word? Jonah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, we'll read all the way through verse 17. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He, he paid the fare and went down into, into, uh, into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea. And such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up! Call to your God. 
Maybe this God will answer us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lots singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What's your business and where are you from? What's your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. The God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to them, What is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that this is more than just a fairy tale. Thank you, Lord, that you give us examples in your word of people who get it right and people who get it wrong. And the one constant is your love, your sovereignty. You work things all together. Lord, there's a lot of people here today that are in a storm. Some feel swallowed up. Lord, help us learn from Jonah. Help us to recall what we know about a familiar story. Lord, help us to have a life-changing experience because of the truth that we're brought face-to-face with. Forgive us, Lord, for running from you. Thank you for being patient with us. I pray, Lord, you speak clearly to us this morning. May you increase as I decrease. Would you take my words and our thoughts and make today pleasing to you? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Not too far away from us, over in Mobile, Alabama, there's a group of men and women, and and they work together to produce the Airbus 320. The Airbus 320 model is a a huge jet that can take 180 people at a time and and carry them into the air, defying gravity at extreme speeds. That's amazing that a group of Alabamians can make something like that. The Airbus Model 350 can seat 900, flying them through the air. Our Doug Hawkins, and maybe some of you served in the Navy 
in a submarine. A submarine built by men can, can carry over a hundred personnel into the depths of the sea where the pressure has to be equalized and, and where life has to be sustained and all of that kind of stuff. And, and men can create a vessel like this. So when people say to me that the story of a fish swallowing one individual is not possible, I think a bunch of men and women from Mobile can put over 300 in the air. A bunch of people paid by the lowest bidder can build a submarine to put over a hundred into the depths of the sea and my God who created everything out of nothing can't create a fish big enough to house one man for three days and three nights it's a beggar stretch to me to understand and put faith in the Airbus 320 than it is the story of Jonah and the big fish hello are you with me? If you had to summarize Jonah chapter 1, it would simply be running from God. This is more than just a story about a, about a fish swallowing a, a man. It's, it's a story about a man running from God. And, and what we're going to do over the entire month of March on Sunday mornings, we're going to go chapter by chapter through the book of Jonah. A familiar story, but we miss the truth and all of the familiarity sometimes. And so, since we're going to look at this book that bears the name Jonah, I want to give you a brief introduction to this man named Jonah. And I want you to notice first the person Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, refers to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, in the Old Testament, names usually had a very specific meaning. And in the case of Jonah, son of Amittai, that's the very case. The name Jonah means dove and when you think about the dove in the Bible a dove is a sign of peace and so anytime someone would hear the name Jonah automatically in their mind they would think peace now just in Jonah's name alone we have a message that just summarizes it all and here it is you'll never experience peace running from God hello You'll never experience peace running from God. Yet the name Jonah means peace. Amittai. Amittai means faithfulness. So here we have Jonah, son of Amittai. And when anybody heard his name, they would think of peace and faithfulness. Yet Jonah did not live up to his name, peace, because you can't have peace running from God. Hello? I say again, you cannot have peace running from God. Okay, And we do not see any kind of faithfulness in Jonah in this command that God gave him. He was unfaithful to God. So Jonah did not live up to his name. That's Jonah, the person. I want you to notice uh, or tell you another thing. Jonah was a prophet. We don't see that he was a prophet right here, although he's included among the 12 minor prophets. But the book of uh, 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 25 
Don't turn there. Just trust me here. He, Israel's King Jeroboam, restored Israel's border from Libo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel had spoken through his servant, the prophet Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, we won't spend time here, but here's what we know from that passage of Scripture. Jonah was an Israelite that loved being an Israelite. Okay, so here's what we know about Jonah. The person, the name means dove, which represents peace. But we know from the name of Jonah, you cannot have peace running from God. Are you with me this morning? We also know that he was a prophet and that he loved the nation of Israel. He loved the nation of Israel very, very much. But we also learn in chapter 1 that Jonah was a preacher. Notice again verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Here's what I want you to know about Jonah, the preacher. First of all, God called this man to preach. More specific, he called this man to preach against the great city of Nineveh. Three times in the book of Jonah, we hear Nineveh referred to as the great city of Nineveh. Now let me explain to you what's being said right there. If you go halfway across the world and you tell somebody, I'm from Luverne, Alabama, chances are they're not going to have any idea what, where Luverne is. Because Luverne is not perceived worldwide as a great city. But if you were to go halfway across the world and say, I'm from New York, people will perceive, understand New York. New York is a great city. Chicago is a great city. Um, Los Angeles is a great city. Now, you're just describing it as far as perception because I'll tell you, there ain't nothing that New York has that Luverne doesn't. Hello? Matter of fact, New York doesn't have a chicken shack. Luverne does. Amen. <laughs> Luverne's a great city. All right. But the great city of Nineveh, it was recognized all over the world. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Anytime someone in the days of Jonah would think of Assyria, they would think of Assyria the way we think of ISIS or Al-Qaeda. The Assyrians were terroristic type people. They were brutal. They were cruel. They were hateful. They were horrible. The things that we see ISIS doing in our day or that we have seen ISIS doing in our day, that's what the Assyrians, capital city Nineveh, they were known for all over the world. So that's the background. You've got Jonah, this person whose name means peace, but you cannot have peace running from God. He was a prophet who loved Israel, and he's a preacher that God said, I want you to go to ISIS, and I want you to preach against them so that they can be saved. And Jonah said, uh-uh. They can go to hell for all I care. That was Jonah's mindset and we find him running from the Lord I say again the will of God is his plan and his purpose and God had a plan and God had a purpose for Jonah and Jonah ran from the will of God running from the Lord running from his will running from his plan running from his purpose can you relate to Jonah today 
I want to show you three things this morning in this passage of Scripture, chapter 1. I want, us to show, I want to show you three things about how when you run from the will of God. And, and three things stand out when you're running from the will of God. And first of all, when you're running from the will of God, we need to understand the role of the Word of God. The will of God was clear to Jonah. And I will tell you that the will of God was clear to Jonah because it matched up with the word of God to Jonah. And here's what I will say to you. The will of God will always align with the word of God. I had somebody one time tell me they were married and, and they were having an affair with another woman. And I spoke with them about what God has to say. And, and this brother in Christ said... I believe it's God's will that he brought me and this mistress together. And I said, brother, I will guarantee you God didn't do that. Because the will of God always aligns with the word of God. There's never an exception. The will of God always aligns with the word of God. Now I want you to notice the word of God to Jonah. Verse 2. Get up, go to Nineveh and preach against it. Not against them like I'm a pope, but, but preach against what they're doing. And, and one of the greatest compliments that I've had paid to me was actually intended to be an insult. Um, somebody one time said, I don't like going to Memphis because he preaches at you. Well, God bless you. The greatest compliment I've ever heard. Because that's what God said to Jonah. Go and preach against sin. Listen, we're for Jesus. We're against sin. We're for people. We're against judgment. Hello? That's what preaching is. And so, and so um, he says, get up, go to Nineveh, preach against it. And, 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 and two things I want to point out to you about the Word of God. Number one, when the Word of God says something, these are commands, not suggestions. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Verse 2, get up, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Verse 3, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish. And I'll tell you, a lot of us are like Jonah. For some reason, the word of the Lord's crystal clear. And we're like Jonah. We think we can read the word of God and take it or leave it. Boys and girls, in your outline today, when the word of the Lord issues a clear command, it's not up to us for debate. Disobedience is not an option when it comes to the clear commands of the Word of God. I thank God for our Methodist brothers and sisters in Christ. They voted this week as a denomination to stay in obedience to a clear command of the Word of God. It's not up to us to debate what God has said over and over in his Bible about marriage being between one man and one woman. It's not up for debate. Yet the entire denomination got flooded with this debate over whether or not we're going to allow the homosexuality within the clergy and we're going to allow our churches to participate in same-sex marriages. And hear me, we do not hate people who think that they're homosexual or, or have those tendencies. We do not hate them. But we love them enough to say, it's sin. And we're not going to say, it's all okay. 
we're not going to agree that the Word of God evolves. Because let me tell you, if the Word of God evolves over time, and if what used to be sin a thousand years ago, and a hundred years ago, and ten years ago, all of a sudden evolves into where it's no longer sin anymore, well then all we need to do is just hang in there until everything that God said is sin evolves into not being sin, and then we don't need Jesus. Thank God for our, our Methodist brothers and sisters in Christ. Had they chosen any decision other than what they did, they would have gone from United Methodist to United Jonas running from the will of God. Praise God for what they did. Students, when it comes to dating, God's word is clear. 2 Corinthians six fourteen, the Bible says, Do not become partners or do not become unequally yoked with those who do not believe. And you, you say, but Brother Jim, I love him. But Brother Jim, I love her. She makes me feel good or he makes me feel special. And what I would say to you is, is Jonah, quit running from God. The word of God is clear. He's not trying to deprive you of anything. He's trying to direct you to his very best for you. The will of God is not some burden to carry around your neck. The will of God is his best for you. The Bible describes the will of God in Romans 12 verse 2 as good, pleasing, and perfect. The question is, is do you trust God and his will to be what the Bible says it is, good, pleasing, and perfect? God's not trying to hold back on you with his will. God's trying to direct you to his best through his word as he reveals his will. And Jonah ran from God. When it comes to the word of God, I want to remind you that these are not commands. Or, or these are commands, not suggestions. I want to tell you another thing. There's consequences for running from God. We know the consequences from, for Jonah, don't we? We read right here, he gets on this ship... The Lord said, go to Nineveh, which is this direction. He goes to Tarshish, which is this direction. Running from God, verse 3 says, from the Lord's presence. It says twice again, from the Lord's presence. It wasn't accidental. It was in accidental. It was intentional. And we know about the storm that came up at sea and these seasoned sailors on that ship, they became scared. They became afraid. They called out to their pagan gods. Eventually, Jonah's thrown overboard. He's swallowed by the big fish. And there were consequences for Jonah running from God. And I want you to hear me this morning. Sin has consequences. And oftentimes, there's collateral damage. Say, Brother Jim, what's collateral damage? Well, in the military, before we try to make a strike militarily on a certain place, there's an assessment done ahead of time as to what the collateral damage will be. How many innocent people will be affected if we take this strategy? I will tell you, when it comes to sin, there's usually collateral damage. When I run from the Lord, others might be hurt. See, Jonah's disobedience took those sailors right into the storm. 
And it's the same for you and me. Daddies, if you're running from the will of God, it's very likely that your children could be collateral damage. You don't want that, do you? Grandmama, you're running from the will of God, and it's very likely that those grandbabies that you love so much are going to be collateral damage. They're going to be affected by your choice to to run away from God's word, to, 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 to disregard what he has to say. Students, you're running from God. It doesn't affect just you, but, but those of you, again, that are in the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, there's kids that are in the 7th, 8th, and 9th grade, and you don't even know they're looking at you, and they are, and, and you're running from God, and, and those others that are watching you, they're, they're collateral damage. Just this past week, our United States Senate failed to pass a Born Alive Survivors Protection Act. The fact that it even came up to debate as a bill is a disgrace. Babies who were born alive outside of the womb who survived a botched abortion. This bill would simply require a physician to, to provide care for that child. And, and, and 44 senators said no. Psalm 139, 14. David's praising God because he was made in an amazing and wonderful way. And every child was made in an amazing and wonderful way. And what are we doing as a nation? We're not accidentally, we are intentionally running from God. The Word of God. It's not, these are commands, not suggestions. And there's consequences for running from Him. Our nation is not just drifting. We're running away from God. Because we're ignoring the Word of God. I want you to notice here in Jonah, number two, the works of God. Verse four. But the Lord, do you see the translation in the Christian Standard Bible? Do you see what it says? The Lord did what? The Lord threw. Watch me. The Lord threw. You hear me? He may have done it sidearm. Or he may have come overhand. Bottom line, the Lord threw, the Bible says. This wasn't something that just happened up. The Lord intentionally, he targeted a specific location. When he threw a great wind onto the sea and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. Verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. I'm going to tell you that fish that day was voluntold into the service of God. Hello? It's the difference between all of God's creation and humanity. All of creation has no choice but to be used in the service of God however he deems necessary. Now Jonah was called into the service of God. But the unique relationship that we have with God that the rest of creation doesn't is we have a choice. It's what makes our relationship special. Because he demonstrates his love for us by the things that he's done, sent Christ to die on the cross. We demonstrate our love for him through the obedience we place or, or we, we offer him. Jonah was appointed 
this fish was appointed. This fish didn't have a choice. Jonah did. And Jonah chose foolishly, and he ran from God. But here's the good news. God wasn't through with Jonah. Aren't you grateful for the times in your life? Aren't you grateful for the times that God says, Jim, I want you to go there, and I go here? I can tell you, I'm so grateful that God didn't say, fine. I didn't need you anyway. Because he could say that. And he would be true. But I'm so grateful that the times that he told me to go there. And that I went there. That he hurled a storm my way. To get me back to where his best was all along. Aren't you grateful God's that way? Aren't you grateful that God didn't say. I just go ahead. Go ahead, Jonah. You don't trust me, just go ahead. Could God have done that? Would he have been justified in doing that? But God's gracious and he's patient. Aren't you grateful that he is? Boys and girls, God didn't give up on Jonah. And he's not giving up on some of us here today. Even though we've chosen to run from him. Running from God. Running from His will, His purpose, and His plan. We, we see that it ignores the Word of God. And, and, but, but we see that it's not easy to run from Him because of the works of God. God will not make it easy to run from Him. I'll tell you here today, it's God's will that you be saved. And if you go to hell, you're going to trip all over Jesus to get there. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He's going to convict you of your sins. He's going to send people in your way. There's people praying for you. You're going to trip all over Jesus to go to hell. And he might even say in the storm your way to get your attention. But number three, there's a statement here about the worship of God. Jonah makes this statement here in chapter 1, and he was wrong. He was in error in what he says. It's a statement that a lot of us make. And when we do, like Jonah, we're in error and we're wrong. I, I want you to notice it here in, in verses 6 through 9. The captain approached Jonah. The ship's falling apart. Jonah's asleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up. We've been calling out to our gods. You call out to your God. Maybe your God will answer and we won't all die. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who's to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots or they drew the short straw, kind of is what we say. And Jonah gets the short straw and, and then they said to him, Tell us who's to blame for this trouble, Jonah. What's your business? And where are you from? And what's your country? And what people are you from? And... and and, and Jonah answered them, I'm a Hebrew. Is that true? Yeah. And then he says this, I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Pay attention to this. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Verse 9, Jonah says, a truth and a false. He tells the truth, then he lies. He says, I am a Hebrew. I worship 
the Lord. A lot of people have a lot of ideas of what worship is. But would you agree with me that whatever worship is, Jonah ain't worshiping? Whatever worship is, Jonah is not worshiping. Even though he says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Ah, you're not worshiping the Lord. And old Bubba's going to say, that's right, because there wasn't no singing on that boat. Well, worship's all about singing. No, worship's more than that. Worship's more than music. Say, that's right, preacher, because they didn't have a preacher on the boat. I love you. I love your mindset, but no. Worship's more than a worship service. Worship is more than hearing the preacher preach. Worship is about reverence and worship is appreciating God and worship is is gratitude and worship is honoring God and it requires action on our part and sometimes it involves singing and sometimes it involves listening and sometimes it involves going but worship, listen boys and girls, worship is always trusting and obeying and honoring the word of God, the will of God. The plan of God. Some here this morning, you didn't sing a lick. Some here this morning, you aren't listening at all. Some here this morning, you're not interested in what the Lord has to say about His plan and His purpose for your life. And if you're here this morning, and if that's how you feel, at least you can say, I'm not worshiping. At least you're not playing around with it. But there's some folks that are here this morning, you did sing. I'm talking about you sang with all your heart and you are listening. And you're actually interested in what the Lord has to say. But you already know what the Lord has said about certain matters. And you've chosen to do the opposite and you're running from God. And I will tell you, even though you sang and even though you're listening and even though there's a desire... There's no worship if you know what God says and you don't do it. So I want to close this morning with four truths. We've hopefully been loaded with truths, but I want to give you four truths and one invitation. Four truths and one invitation. Truth number one, you cannot outrun the Lord's presence. Listen to me, you cannot outrun the Lord's presence. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. David said this because apparently he had tried. He said, where can I go to escape your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, of course you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, you're there too. If I live on the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me, David wrote it, but Jonah's saying, that's right. You can't outrun the Lord's presence. Impossible. Truth number two. If you try running from the Lord, the enemy, the devil, will provide you transportation. Jonah was clearly running from the Lord. Would you agree? God said, go to Nineveh. He said, I'm headed to Tarshish. I mean, you can't be more openly defiant to God's will and God's word than that. But just like some here today, 
I can imagine when Jonah got on that boat, he started thinking, well, look at how the doors are opening for me. This must be okay with the Lord, otherwise there wouldn't be boats headed to where I want to go. And somehow you get spiritual and you start talking yourself into, God said this, but I'm doing this, and look at how well it's working for me. God must be okay with it. Let me tell you, if God tells you to go to Nineveh and you go to Tarshish, if God wants you here, the devil wants you here. And so if God's saying go here and you take a step here, the devil's going to show up with a taxi cab saying, hey, low fare, I'll get you there. It's what he wants. So just because the doors are open, just because it's, it's working out, that doesn't mean you're in the will of God. So truth number one, you can't outrun the Lord's presence. Truth number two, if you're running from the Lord, the devil will provide you transportation. Truth number three, if you're running from the Lord and you find yourself in a crisis, it very well could be that that crisis has been sent from God to get your attention. Some of you are in a storm. And we know that in the Bible, Jesus steals the storm. Do you remember the story? The winds and the waves were tearing apart the ship Jesus was on. And Jesus stood out and he said, Peace be still. And peace overcame the sea. But just like God steals storms, God also sends storms. And in the language here in, in Jonah, it was like, you know, they didn't have baseball in Jonah's day, but it was, it was as if God was on the pitcher's mound and he wound up and he threw that ball and he hit the target. He threw that storm straight at Jonah. Was he hurling that storm to Jonah to destroy Jonah or to get his attention? He was getting Jonah's attention. Was there collateral damage? Unfortunately, there usually is. See, the Bible says God's a jealous God. Somehow we've got this idea that God's passive. And that when, when, when God says, go here and I go here... Somehow we've got this idea that God's sitting up in heaven saying, Oh, I just wish you would, I just wish you would go where I want you to go. And, but there ain't nothing I can do about it. I just got to sit here and watch you go the opposite way of where I've got a plan and a purpose for you. And oh, I wish you would just come. Somehow we got this idea that God's a passive God who's powerless and and, and he, has, he, he has limits on what he can control. I'm telling you, God is a jealous God. And if he wants you here, it's because that's where his best is for you. And if you're heading this way, he's going to hurl a storm at you because he loves you and because he can. And he wants to get your attention because he knows that this is where the best is. This is where destruction lies. So truth number one, you cannot outrun the Lord's presence. Truth number two, if you're running from the Lord, the
the devil will provide you transportation. Truth number three, if you're running from the Lord and you find yourself in a crisis, it's very likely that the Lord hurled that crisis on you to get you where he wants you to be. And truth number four, if you run from the Lord, there will always be a price to pay. I want you to notice here with me, here in Jonah. Notice Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it before their evil, uh, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. Say that with me. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Let me tell you something here today. You walk away from God, there will always be a price to pay. You walk to God, he'll get you where he wants you to go for free. If you go to hell, you will pay a price for your sins. If you go to heaven, he's already paid the price. It's free. Are you with me? There's always a price to pay. Four truths. And one invitation. One invitation this morning. Stop running from God. Stop running from God. He loves you. This is so important to him that Jesus told about the prodigal son. The prodigal son ran from his father. Squandered it all. He didn't end up in a storm. He didn't end up in the belly of a big fish. He ended up in a pig pen. Stained with his sin and smelling with his sin. And, but you know what? He quit running from his father and he went back home. And the Bible says in the picture is God looking out for us. The Bible says God wasn't running towards him, you know, when he was off in the far country. God was waiting. But when that son, when his silhouette appeared on the horizon, the father was looking for him. And the father says, that's my son. And we're going to celebrate. Child of God today, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and if you've been running from God, it's clear you've not been in communion with him. But if you'll come back, he wants to have communion with you. If you've never trusted Jesus... If you've never put your faith and trust in Him, let me tell you, friend, heaven is towards Him. Hell is away from Him. You don't have to understand everything there is to understand to realize that you need to head where He is. And our job as a church 
is to help direct you to the cross. So the invitation is simple. Quit running from God. If you're a child of God, come back to Him. If you're not a child of God, come to Him. We're about to have what we call a hymn of invitation. And during this hymn of invitation, as people start singing, I want to ask you, if you want to give your life to Christ, you don't do that in secret, in silence. You, you make it known. And I want to ask you to step out of where you are, to come forward. You say, Brother Jim, I don't understand it all. Do you understand that you're a sinner headed to hell? But that Jesus paid the price. If you want to know more about that, I want to ask you to come forward. If you know about it and want to accept it, I want you to come forward. I want, I want you to make it known today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you just make an altar right where you are. Draw a circle around yourself and just ask yourself, am I running toward God or am I running away from Him? I challenge you to get right with Him today. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You, Lord, that a familiar story is packed with such truth. And I thank you, Lord, for the storms that you send our way. I thank you for the crisis that you put in our lives, not because you, you're mad at us, but because you love us. I thank you, Lord, that you care enough about us to convict us. And I thank you, Lord, that you're so good that you forgive us and you cleanse us and you restore us and that you do have a purpose and a plan for us. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that that takes place today, that there's, a, there's a, a running to you today, a returning to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.